church. How's everyone doing? Yeah, we can clap. It's okay. We're all good. Welcome. We're glad that you're here. If you're a first-time guest, we hope that uh, you sit back and enjoy yourself. We hold the Bible in high regard. And so if you, if you brought your Bible, open it up to James chapter 5. Uh, we're going to be covering verses 16 through 18. If you did not bring a Bible, uh, we have blue Bibles in an aisle next to you, so you can grab one of those, or there's a Bible on the lamp on each side of the room. And if you don't own one, this is our gift to you. I think that's a pretty good gift, huh? So take that Bible and have fun. And also, if you have 33 of them that you've taken home because you keep forgetting them to bring them back, bring a couple back. So we're glad that you're here today. Uh, we are nearing the end of James. If you've been with us uh, for a while now, you know we've been going verse by verse, just expository teaching through the book of James. And some of you were thinking today was going to end James, and I put the brakes on just a few verses before the end of James. So we will end in verse 18 today of chapter 5. I want to go ahead and just jump right in uh, to these verses today, because I, I, I know that the message that God has for us is strong today. It's a powerful, powerful message, and James is a brilliant teacher, and Jesus has taught us some brilliant things through the passage today, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time on pleasantries. Let's just jump right in, okay? Does that sound good? So let's read James chapter 5, verses 16 through 18. James begin, continues his teaching, and he uses this, this word, Therefore, confess your sins to one another, and pray for one another, that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Verse 18, then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. This is what we're looking at today. And one of the reasons we go expository and we go verse by verse is just so that we will gain the context. We will know who's writing to what crowd and, and what the original message was all about. And, and our prayer every single week is that as we open up the Bible at Church Project, our prayer is that together we, we ask God, God, what is your scripture teaching us? Like, how can we learn to study the Bible on our own? And what is your teacher, I mean, your scripture teaching us? So our prayer is that I'm going to stand up, and it's going to be a wonderful monologue. I'm going to speak for a while, and I'm going to reveal things that I think Jesus is teaching us in this scripture. But my prayer is that you individually, that us individually, we'll leave. We'll open our Bible. We'll open our commentaries. We'll, we'll grab all our study tools that we can, and we'll say, God, teach me. Show me. Let me know what you're teaching through your scripture. And then, of course, as our house churches meet on Wednesdays, that, that you would engage this text, that you would engage in conversation and go, you know what, here's what I've learned in my study, and this is what I think that, that this, these verses are teaching us and how it applies to our life, and we wrestle through it in community. And so I hope that we're all part of a house church community. Um, if not, you can find where we meet on the website and what times we meet. So um, we hopefully, hopefully you can be part of that community. As we look at this, we're nearing the end of James, and we look at these three verses. As we look back through the whole book of James, we were created to reflect his image. As Christians, we were created to reflect the image of God. Daily, I am made to be more and more like him as he leads me to paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Daily, God continues to make me more and more like him. Why? For his glory. 
that it would lead to the world going, there's something different about Christians. What is it? And our lives will do nothing more than point to the glory of Jesus Christ. The commands in this wonderful Bible that you read, the commands in this Bible, are to lead us to something that will bring us more joy, for sure, as we live our life, while reflecting His glory. I'm going to say that again. The commands we read, the the instructions that we read in this glorious Bible, are there to lead us to something that will bring us more joy in our life. Why? Because we are reflecting His glory. It's not about us. It's not about our life looking and just living a life full of joy. But it's about pointing to His glory. And and the good news is, as our life makes uh, looks more and more like Him, and we begin to reflect Him more and more, the more we enjoy life. The more that we take on his character and the more the problems in the world just aren't big problems, but we can see hope through those problems. We can see what he's doing in our lives. The do's are an encouragement. The do's of the Bible do this, don't do that. The do's in the Bible are an encouragement. And the don'ts of the Bible are not there to rip us off. Stay away from that. Don't do that. God doesn't put those instructions in the Bible to rip us off or to rob us of something. But he puts the do's and the don'ts in the Bible to gently and lovingly nudge us to the best way to live this life. And through the writing of James and through the writing of Jesus, we've been continually nudged to let our life reflect the glory of Jesus Christ. Through the highs and through the lows, through the joys and through the pains, that's our prayer is that our life would reflect the glory of Jesus Christ. The book of James, number one and foremost, shows us the glory and the might of God. So if you haven't read James, I'd encourage you to go back and read these short five verses. And number one, look and see that God is showing himself off and that our life is to point to his glory. And number two, the book of James, as we've been studying it, God is showing us that this is the way to joy and to peace and to meaning and to purpose and to obedience As Christians, Christ followers, we study the Bible and we hold it in high regard and our life is continually put in line with his word. The book of James is is kind of also known as the Proverbs of the New Testament. How to live this life that reflects God's glory. It's a beautiful book. Hopefully you've been studying it, enjoying it on your own. But as we get to these verses here and James begins to wrap up his teaching... Smack dab in the middle of a section of prayer. So the section that we're studying right now in verses 13 through 18 is a section about prayer. You can see the verses before. You can see the verses after. It's all about prayer. And I think it's beautiful that smack dab in the middle of this section on prayer, we see the heart of Jesus. We see the gospel message. We see that this whole thing is about relationships. So smack dab in these these verses between 13 and 18 about prayer that James is teaching us how to be people of prayer, we also see the heart of God. And we see the importance of relationships. Look with me if you would. Open it up. Look at verse 13. Is anyone suffering? suffering? Let him or her pray. So we have the solo prayer, right? Go to verse 14. Let them call the elders. Let them pray. So we see 
a collection of others added to this relationship. That, at first, was just us praying, and now we have the elders and others praying. And then look at verse 16. That's the first verse we're studying uh, today. Let them confess and pray for one another. And so now, what was solo, we've invited others to, and now it's like we're coming back together privately, but open with a few people. It's about relationships. Do you see this? And as I was studying this and I was praying for it and early this morning, God was showing me something beautiful about this. Here God is showing relationship. He's showing, okay, pray alone. Do pray alone and pray with other people and get together. And even in your house churches, pray with other people about things that God's nudging in you and doing in you and, and you're suffering through or the joyous things. Do that in relationships. And it doesn't even stop there in our prayer here is at Church Project that we will gather We will go to our house churches in smaller groups and gather, but I think what God's starting to do is he's starting to even take the house churches and break them down even smaller and say, get in those one-on-one relationships. Get intimate in those one-on-one relationships. I can think back in my life, and the times that I grew the most wasn't in gatherings like this, though they're fun and they're great and they're needed, but it was when I was sitting across the table from some dude that was just lighting me up or encouraging me, or we were opening scripture together, and we see the relationships in verses 13, 14, and 16, and the heart of God, he's about relationship. That's awesome. He's about relationship. Let that sit on your heart today. Maybe that's what you want to write on your notes. God is about relationship. He's about himself, and he's about us, his church, doing this thing together. I would encourage you, if you feel alone right now, um, reach out. Reach out to people here that are running after God. This life is not meant to be lived alone. May we be a church that models and lives this. May we individually be grounded in our relationships with Christ. May we individually seek Him daily. Submitting to Him as our Savior and our Lord, so our life looks more and more like Him. And may we never get out of the habit of meeting together. And may we have very close and intimate relationships that nudge us towards Christ. My prayer is that our lives reflect these relationships that James is writing about here in chapter 5, 13 through 18. Um, We're already begun seeing mature Christians partner up with those who need guidance here at Church Project. We've already begun to see this. We already know that people are meeting one-on-one with each other and encouraging each other, and, and I love that. Because when we do that, it's not, it's, it's not like us saying, I've got it all figured out, but it's saying, please help me figure this out. Please help me figure out life and understand scripture and all, all that's there. And let me share my life with you. And you know what? It's a, very, it's a place where we go, I'm not proud and I don't have it all figured out. And I want to know and I want to learn from someone who has been there, that has done that, that is more mature than I am in this. And so I would, I would call us to action right now. Maybe there's some of us that are sitting here today. And we're saying we're kind of new into this Christianity thing. Or, or maybe we've been in it for a while, but we feel like there's something that, that God has for us that maybe someone can help us learn through, through Scripture together. So here's what I want to nudge you to do. Maybe if you're sitting here and you're saying, there's a fancy word called a mentor. Maybe uh, you desire to have a mentor. 
Maybe you desire to have someone to speak into your life, to just sit and have coffee and open up Scripture with you and teach you. If that's you today, there's cards, response cards. If you would, just write on the back, I want to (laughs) grow. I want to grow. Just put your name and number, phone number, email, and I'll contact you. I'll, I'll, I'll see what God's doing in you. And maybe we can partner you with someone that, that has been in Scripture a little longer. or Who knows? But if we're, if we're studying in James and we're seeing how important relationships are, I want to give us the opportunity to do that as well. So if that's you, just, just write on your card. I, I want to grow and turn it into the, the offering back there. But let's look at these verses. Verse 16. Therefore... Confess your sins one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. I look at verse 16, and this can be a very confusing verse as as we read it. The point here is not that unless you confess your sins, God will not hear you. It's a lot of nots. But that's not the point. The point is not that unless you confess your sins, God's going to turn his ear and he's not going to hear from you. That's not the point. The point that, that James is writing is that unless you confess your sins to God, unless you confess those sins to God, your heart cannot be tuned in to his still small voice in your life. Your heart will be hard and you will not be able to hear from God. That's what James is writing here. Your healing that James has talked about right there, your healing comes by the ability to hear from God in your own life. When we have sin in our life, it clouds our own mind and our own heart. So the point here is not confess your sins, get all right, and God's going to listen to you. The point is confess your sins. Why? So your heart and your mind will be clear enough to focus on God. It's about him, not about us. That's powerful. So when we read this and we approach Scripture and, and we begin to look at it and study it, may we not be people that approach Scripture through our own selfish eyes. God, what are you doing for me in this? But may we approach Scripture with God, how is your glory being reflected? And how may I align my life with you? That's powerful when we read verse 16 through the eyes of Christ. And he says, pray so you'll be healed. And you'll be healed. Why? Because if you confess your sins to each other and you get your heart and your mind right, you will hear the voice of God clear in your life. Promise. Guarantee. You'll approach Scripture saying, God, show me who you are. Show me what you're teaching. You, 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 not me, me, me. And when we hear from God, watch out. Our life becomes powerful. That's good stuff right there. Therefore, confess your sins to one another. Another way to say that, if you study that phrase, is to declare openly a wrongdoing. So let's, let's read that. Therefore, declare openly a wrongdoing to one another. Vulnerability when we're vulnerable, it creates intimacy and defeats division. I think one of the ways Satan is attacking our church and has for centuries is he wants to create division right here. Amongst our little body, he wants someone over here to be mad at someone over here. He wants someone over here not to be vulnerable with someone over here. And he begins, Satan begins to create division amongst our body. And James is writing a letter and saying, church, we're not going to fall into those temptations. Like, 
This is how we deal with conflict. This is how we have intimacy. And we are going to defeat division amongst our body. How many people walk around for years in bondage over something that could have been resolved in a five-minute conversation? I've done it. Have you? Something that started so small, years later I look back and I'm so mad at them, that person, that situation. And I don't remember what it was about. I've been held in bondage for years over something that could have been resolved in five minutes. Church, vulnerability creates intimacy. And that's why house church is so important. In our house church setting, when we open up and we're vulnerable and we're honest, it gives everyone permission to grow, to do the same, and to defeat division. Amen? I want to give you a live, I always say this one backwards, live case in point. Did I get it right? Point in case? I don't know. Whatever. I'll give you a live example. So you know um, Keith Harrison. You know Church Project, we're a network. If you don't know that, we're a network. We have six churches now in America, five in Haiti. We all look the same. They have the same cute signs, same structure. And so if you go down to Southlands right now in Denver, Aurora, Keith Harrison is the pastor right there. And, and, and they're struggling right now, so pray for them. He, he led worship this morning, then he got up and he preached, and he's not a good worship leader. So they need a lot of help. Like, they're in that stage. Remember that? If you've grown with us, you remember, like, there's awkward stages of, of church planning. And he's in an awkward stage. So pray for Keith and Christina. But I want to give you a live example of how Satan wants to come in and create um, division, okay? Years ago, Keith and I, we both worked at a mega church down in Texas. 15,000 people. And we were on the same staff together. I was in youth. He was in college. We didn't get to see each other a whole lot, but we did see each other, and we did have relationships. And I remember he did something that just made me mad. I mean, made me mad. And, and, it, and for about a year, I, I kind of I let it fester in me. It was small. I don't even, honestly, I don't even remember what it was, but I let it fester in me to the point where every time I saw him, I would, like, want to punch him. I know, you're not supposed to want to do that. But just bitterness. You ever been there? Everyone's shaking their head. And I, I knew during one of my quiet times that I needed to confront this. And I remember going to Keith and saying, hey, I know we don't know each other well, but can I have a conversation with you? And pulled him aside and said, I don't know why, but I don't like you. That's how I started the conversation. I don't like you. Like, I don't know why. I don't know what you've done, but we've got to get something right. I don't know what it is. And it was an awkward conversation. He was very gracious. But something happened in me. I, I let go of that bondage and that bitterness of whatever that was. And he, he left the conversation going, I think we're good. <laughs> I, I, I guess so. Let's fast forward years later. Three years ago, I get a call from Keith Harrison saying, hey, I think God's calling me to start a church. What do you think? That call would have never come, I guarantee, if I would not have engaged in that awkward conversation and broke the bondage that I had in my own heart for Keith Harrison. Because after that conversation, we started to become friends. And I wonder if, I wonder if I would have held that bondage, there would be no church project in Southland. Conflict, resolution, begins with our internal relationship with God and is then manifested in confessions and actions that lead toward mending. And James, multiple times in this book, has been saying, how is your relationship with God? If that's sour, these relationships will be sour. 
You want to mend a conflict in your life, the first place we look is in our heart and our relationship with God. How are you doing in your relationship with Christ? I want to point out something, though, that Grandpa and I spent significant time talking about this week. And and let's look at verse 16. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. There's a difference between faults and sins. And this is good for house church to talk about. There's a difference between faults and sins. Faults are when you have injured another by some word or action. I faulted you. Sin is when you have violated the will and the word of God. There's a difference. Sins are thoughts or actions that go against the word or spirit of God. And we as humans cannot forgive those sins. We can forgive one another's faults, but not the sins. You with me? We do not confess our sins to one another because we are not able to forgive sins. Only God can do that. We can and should be willing to forgive each other's faults. Then we pray our sins will be healed. But God alone owns owns the capacity and has the capacity to forgive sins. Church, the question would be, Are we forgiving each other's faults that are a result of sins? Are we confessing that? Let's look at this verse again. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. I love how James says, pray for one another that you may be healed. And I have a strict warning for you. These, these nine words right here, pray for one another that you may be healed, um, they, they actually may change your life this morning. Now, I'm sorry because you're going to get shown something this morning that you're actually going to be held accountable for. So if you don't want to hear this and you don't want your life to change, run out right now because I've got a fresh word for us this morning. A vulnerable brother or sister, a vulnerable brother or sister comes and confesses a wrongdoing to you, a fault, a sin. You can't forgive that sin. You can forgive the fault. You can point them to God to have God forgive their sin, but they're vulnerable enough to come to you for a wrongdoing and confess that to you. They've wronged you. The question is, do you hold it against them? Ready to use and ready to get even? Like they, have, you owe, they owe you a favor or something because they wronged you and now you have this weapon to use against them? Or do you enter into, this is your last chance to run out. You good? Or do you enter into a covenant relationship of prayer that they would not repeat the offense? That's what James is saying. Look clearly what he's saying. He's saying if someone comes to you and they confess a fault or a sin, he doesn't say use it to beat him over the head or say, I forgive you, sin, he, or person. He says, I have now asked you to enter into a covenant relationship of prayer that that person would not repeat that offense. We are required to pray for others that we would look more like Christ and that we would be healed. 
When someone comes to you and asks you to forgive them for their fault, our job is to forgive them of that fault and enter into a covenant relationship of prayer for that person that you pray on their behalf that they would not repeat that fault as they move forward, that their life would mature and God would use this fault and wrongdoing to help that person and help you mature in your relationship with Christ. Why? So both parties reflect his glory more appropriately. Do you do that? When someone comes and asks for your forgiveness, do you do that? Not only forgive, but enter into weeks of praying and asking how they're growing. Do you do that? Or do you just go, oh, we're all good, and move on down the road? What a great opportunity to come alongside a brother or sister and say, it's all good. I've done wrong as well, but I'm in this relationship with you. And I will pray that you even grow more like Christ in this. That's powerful. Will you forgive me? Forgive and forget? No. I won't forgive you and just forgive and forget, but I will enter into a relationship of prayer with you in this. It took them humility to confess, and we have the ability at that point to honor them with our prayer. And when we honor them with our prayer and we enter into that, it deepens our relationship. And it's a relationship now that we don't look back five years from now. We're bitter and we're holding in bondage for something small. But we look back and go, what, what Satan wanted to use to kill us, God used to strengthen our relationship. Church, what would that look like if you were wronged? Because you will be wronged in this body. And instead of holding that as bitterness, we entered into covenant prayer with each other. And we were more like Christ in that relationship. What would that look like if we all committed to that? That would be beautiful. We would have the deepest relationships ever in this room. Well, some of us, I think Satan has really deceived us because we don't think we have the power to heal with our words. And I would pose or propose that we absolutely have the power to heal with our words. Let's look at verse 18. I didn't just make this up. It's in verse 18. Uh, so verse 17 and 18. Sorry. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. And he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months it did not rain on earth. Then he prayed again and the heavens gave rain. And the earth bore its fruit. So we look at 17, we look at 18, we hear this man of Elijah, and you can read back uh, this great event that happened, that he prayed and stopped everything. That's powerful. Like That's, that's powerful what happens there. But I want to remind you of something, that he was a normal man like us. A normal man like us. He was an instrument of prayer that God used for his own good. Elijah was an instrument of prayer that God used for his own good. Look what power comes when his people pray. Look what happened when Elijah prayed. Look what happened. Prayer doesn't cause God to wake up and make a situation better. I want to say that again. Prayer doesn't cause God to wake up and make a situation better. Prayer gives God the opportunity to once again show he is in control. 
that he loves, that he is moving, that he is accomplishing his will and purpose through us. Look what happened when Elijah prayed. God showed off. God is accomplishing his will and his purposes through us, his children. Prayer allows us to recognize when God moves in our life. When we pray, when we speak, we have the power to heal with our words. We have a power to to set the captives free with our words. We have the power when it comes to prayer and our relationships with each other. We have the power to say, I will not hold you bondage to this. I pray that this relationship will be restored, that we will move together, that we will look more like Christ. Our prayer has the power to heal. Why? Because when we pray, we release God to use us as tools for his glory. There's a quote I came across by Richard Foster, and if you've read this book, it's awesome. You agree with me, but if not, I highly recommend it. The book is called Prayer, Finding the, Heart, um, Finding the Heart's True Home by Richard Foster. This is what it says. He says, I cannot make the flow of heaven's heavenly life happen. Let me start that over. I cannot make the flow of heavenly life happen, but I can stop it. If I resist or refuse to be an open conduit for God's power to come into a person, I will stop it. Only God can move. Only God can heal. Only God can restore. But look what relationships we can damn up by our words, our lack of praying, our lack of intentionality. God wants to move, he wants to heal, he wants to restore. The question is, do we believe that by our words, we can actually be a conduit for God to work through us? It's not about us, it's about God and his glory. Last week, we looked at the passage and we talked, and we look at the scripture and it says, are you cheerful? Praise. Praise if you're cheerful. Are you suffering? Pray. All of our lives should be a response of praise and prayer. Regardless of the situation, we should continually be moving from praise and prayer in every situation and and every emotion and everything we're moving through. Our suffering, though, when we pray, turns to cheer. And our prayer turns to praise. As I recollect, recollect the prayers of my own life. They are the deepest praises. As I think back in the moments where I had deep prayer, those are the biggest praises in my life through time, through maturing, through seeing things the way God does. When we pray, It gives us the ability to tangibly see movement of God when our requests are answered. But if we move mundanely through life without calling God and praying upon things, when things happen in our life, we can just go, oh, chalk it up to just coincidental. 
But when we pray, and we pray fervently, and Elijah prayed, and he prayed fervently, he allows God's will and power to move through him as a conduit of God's grace and love. And when we do that in our life, and things are answered, and things happen, our prayer then suddenly moves into praise, doesn't it? That thing that we were praying for, when we're we're focused on that, we're praying for that, when we see God move and answer, and his will be done, that prayer turns into praise. So the question is this, church, do you pray? This whole thing is about prayer, these verses. Praying solo, praying with others, praying one-on-one. Do you pray? I hope so. Do you have lists of friends and family that maybe you pray for? You know how to pray for them? You know what to pray for them about? Things that they're going through? Have you entered into a covenant relationship of prayer with people in your life? I hope so. Prayer moves the heart of God, and it aligns us to see when God is moving in us. When we pray in our requests, do you see praise when the God of the universe moves in and his might shifts the whole cosmos because we now see him moving in our direction and we see his will being done in our life? Like prayer is powerful. Do you praise when you are showing when you are showing the power of God as he moves in suffering? We see moments where of suffering and we are able to praise and pray and God is known and his will is done in our life. Do you believe God wants to show off through your prayers? Elijah prayed, what did God do? He showed off. Do we believe that God will do the same in our life that when we pray For things in our life, we pray for the church, we pray for suffering, we pray. Do we believe that God's going to show up and show off? That the world will look at our life, look at our suffering, look at our cheer, look at our relationships, and go, God's a good God. This is about relationships. This is about prayer. And I look at this passage, these verses, and I go, God, thank you for showing us your heart. Thank you for teaching us about who you are and how to move as a body of Christ. That's all I got. I'm going to ask us right now, if you would, just to close your Bible. We we know that the Holy Spirit wants to teach each and every one of us. And maybe through this monologue, the Holy Spirit was showing you something. Or maybe in this moment right now of vulnerability and lowering your, your own pride, saying, God, I humble myself before you. Would you please speak into my life? So in this place, I do pray. I ask you to join me in prayer. If you're comfortable with it, hold your hands out in front of you with your palms up, just in a a, a submissive state, saying, God, anything I'm holding on to, I can't because I put in my hands. Please take that worry, that thing from me. But God, also, my hands are open. Would I receive whatever it is you want to show me today? So quietly to yourself, if you would, just ask God, ask the Holy Spirit to reveal himself to you today. Ask him to show you who he is. Even if you're in this room struggling and you don't have a relationship with God, would you say, God, show me who you are?
as we sit in this room today, I know that there's, there's a lot of people going through pain. A lot of worry. A lack of understanding of what God's doing. And so, may I pray over us. God, I, I pray that whatever it is we're going through, I pray that first and foremost, it would not be about that situation. Though painful, God, I pray that you would give us your eyes and your heart. Knowing that, God, you move the cosmos. You created them. You love intimately. You're about relationships. But God, stuck down here on this earth, it's hard not to be sucked in to the pain of today. Please give us your eyes and your heart to know that whatever deep pain we're in right now, that we can see it the way you see it. That you'd continue to mature us, to make, you, to make us more like yourself. And God, I pray that in us, if there's anything we need to confess, that we would confess and say, God, my life is not lined up with your scripture in this area. And would you please forgive me and remove that from me? This sin, this terrible thing, whether it's pride or addiction, whether it's things that we let our eyes see or ears hear, or actions. God, we know because our heart's racing right now of those things that we need to ask and forgiveness for, God. And so, God, we give you those things. Would you please forgive us for being so selfish to indulge in our human flesh? Would you please remove those from us? God, may our life look more like you every single day. And in this painful thing that we're going through, in this painful thing that I'm going through and I don't understand, God, would you give me your peace? Because frankly, right now, I'm not very peaceful. I don't see it the way you do. So I need your supernatural power to come and heal my heart, heal my mind, that I might trust you. That you're God Almighty, creator of everything. And this thing I'm going through, you even control that, God. May I see it the way you do. May I trust you, regardless of the outcome. And God, I pray for us as a church that we would be powerful men and women of prayer. That we would enter into intimate relationship with you intimate conversation with you that we would pray and we would know that our words are going to move that they're powerful, that they're healing and we pray with boldness and confidence as you make us more like you in our words and our requests and may we enter into covenant relationships of prayer with each other that we would pray for each other that we would be a body that's lifting each other up to be more like you every single day let us not be sucked into the mundane, superficial, but may we see eternity moving in the lives of our brothers and sisters. May we be a conduit of your will and grace in these relationships 
as God, you tighten church project, our relationships, you tighten Christians around the world, that we would move together in unison, not holding bitterness, but God setting each other free, that we would have relationships that are safe, that we would wrestle through scripture and we would figure out life together as the world looks at us and sees your power. Thank you for inviting us into this relationship. It's because of that we stand and we praise you today.